This is episode nine of the Timbo Slice podcast featuring Jordan. Special guest today, Vin Leonetti. Welcome Indeed. to the program. What's up? So, you happy to be here, Vin? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of surprised I'm here, to be honest. Awesome. But. Great. So, the first question <laughs> I have for you is, a little over a year ago, 13 months, 13 months ago, you were a single dude with no job. <laughs> now, you've been married for a year, you've been working in QA for a year, you've been promoted to level two. How are things going? It's a good question. I mean, things are going great. Um, I really like exact where, and yeah, things have definitely gone. They've definitely really changed. Yeah. I was at BYU. Um, didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I mean, I still kind of don't. Um, well, I know what I want to do. I didn't know what major I want, you know, which hoop I want to jump through and right. which paper I want to show to people. But, um, but I mean, yeah, I'm glad I'm here. Thanks to you, especially you convinced me to apply here. Um, got rejected one, I guess twice technically. But, Did you? Well, they, they didn't, they didn't accept my resume on, on desktop. Oh, but, yeah. And then they passed it over to, to mobile, but, um, yeah, it's been great. I really like Exactware, so they've, they've treated me very well. Great, great. How's married life? Married life is good. Yeah, uh, better than I was expecting. Alyssa's great. Um, we have a lot of fun together, so it's, it's not really hard at all. So I'm really happy about that. Awesome. And so you're currently looking for a house. Ugh. <laughs> so that sucks. Um, especially here in... Utah Valley. It's a uh, wish I was, you know, a couple of years ago if I had the money or the means to put, you know, grab a house would have been a lot easier. But mm. um, it's rough, especially if you're. I mean, I'm looking in the under 400k area. Yeah. Um, you know, especially with a QA salary. So when you're in that region, there's it's very competitive. Lots of yeah, it's not uncommon to get into bidding wars and just trying to, you know, battle your, your neighbor for the house. So it's frustrating, but mm. we're, we'll see. Fingers crossed, Tim. What Hopefully the, we can grab something soon. Yeah, what are the areas you're looking in? Um, Saratoga mm-hmm. slash Eagle Mountain. We want to keep it under 25 minutes to get to work. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's saying without traffic, with traffic. Right, yeah. 40, whatever. But um, I especially like Saratoga. Um we're looking to see, try to get the closest to the the new Saratoga Temple as we can as we can get. Mm. But we're just just trying. We'll see. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, yeah. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I myself <laughs> looking I'm, around. <laughs> I'm gonna have to figure out what to do sometime soon too, in the next few years. It's tough because yeah, we looked at. I mean, we you know we got pre-approved and everything, and getting you know a home for like right now our apartment's like eight hundred square feet. If I got a home for like twenty-five to twenty-eight hundred square feet, it's only three hundred to four hundred more a month than what I'm currently paying, mm-hmm. which is really you know not a whole lot. Only you know extra three hundred bucks to have a house and actually start getting you know equity, equity and yeah. stuff. Um, it's really not a lot at all compared to what I'm currently doing, especially since my fees go up every month. Or, I mean, sorry, every year, excuse me. Your HOA um, fees? 
or what? Uh, in my apartment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just this last year they went up close to a hundred a month or a month. What? Yeah. What? Well, they taxed on my. So right now I pay a hundred a month for internet for just a slow crappy internet. What? It drives me crazy. A hundred a month for internet. Well, well, so they you have no options in my apartment. So you're required hundred a month. Yes or yes, you have to pay this. Right. Is your <laughs> TV bundled with so that it as comes well? with and a DVR comes with crappy cable, and it comes with a phone line that nobody needs. What? I don't even know how to set something up like a phone line. So I just like plug it into the wall, and then what? Call my cell to see what the number is. I have no idea how that even works. But yeah, they raised that by ten bucks. They were, they added another some other fee. They have all these acronyms for the fees that I'm paying, so I don't even know what they are. And then. Now I'm doing a renter's tax. They added that on this last time. So that was an extra 20 bucks or something. And then, of course, rent goes up. Mm-hmm. So the rent, my rent went up like 50 or something. So all that put together is about 100 more a month. But I expect next year, you know, go up another 100. And then right. living in my home would have potentially only been, you know, two to 300 more a month than what I'm currently paying. So, um, yeah, unless a recession happens, I mean, soon I'm going to be paying. You know, within a couple of years, my rent will overall be more money than what my mortgage and those kind of things would have been so it's crazy the the state that the this county's in right now mm-hmm. especially the lehigh area but so you two follow the news why is everyone talking about recession i've heard several people say it i think the number one reason why is because it's a re-election year yeah, I is that a common that. thing? Yeah, election years or recession you, years? You want to like the economy is one of the biggest factors that determines whether or not an incumbent president gets reelected or not. If the economy is doing well, they get reelected. If it's not, they get ousted. Yeah. And so, if you want a president to not get reelected, the best thing you can do is start saying, "Hey guys, the economy is not doing so great, is it?" You know, and there there may be truth to it. I don't know, but the problem is, is it's it's expected that people are going to be saying this because Donald Trump is unpopular, right? So I feel like while there may be some truth to it, it's going to be really hard to separate from from the inherent, you know, desire to paint Trump's administration as as having a, like as starting an economic economic downturn right now. So. Um, I definitely it's, agree. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely agree. Yeah, it's hard to. I mean, whether you like Trump or not, the Trump economy. I mean, it's things have been well. Unemployment is way down. Um, and those, I mean, those are hard numbers to to hate, especially you know whether you love Trump or not. So I, I yeah. definitely agree. Definitely, if you can you know, start sowing those seeds of doubt mm-hmm. into the, um, get people to stop spending money. You know, that definitely hurts the economy. Yeah. So if things if the economy does tank or a recession does happen right when re elections happening, Trump's gonna have a hard time. Yeah. And as our listeners know, I am no Trump supporter, so I'm not saying this this kind of stuff just to be like, oh yeah, they're just you know, it's just the media hating on Trump. But to to yeah, to be fair though, I think there definitely is incentive for them to do that. And I think they are doing it as a political move um but again yeah i'm sure our economy is not great i think we have way too much government interference we have way too much um garbage going on with the the federal reserve and you know manipulating currency and all that crap and so um 
there, there are a lot of economists, maybe not a lot, but some, who have said that we never really resolved the financial downturn that we had, what, like 10 years ago now, 11 years ago? And so we've just kind of pushed it off to the future because we, we, we tried to mask it by like dumping crap tons of money into the economy, like increasing government spending, reducing interest rates artificially, all that stuff. And so um, they could be right. I feel like what they've been saying is, is reasonable. So combine that with the fact that there's incentive to bash Trump's economic policy and and um and i think that there's probably some truth to it and maybe some truth to the economy not being healthy that makes sense so what would it take to reconcile with our financial economic past (laughs) what are the sins we've not yet paid for i don't know um i think the well, the main problem is 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 the the monetary policy we've had for a while encourages spending and discourages saving mm-hmm. and that creates bubbles and when bubbles eventually have a reckoning which they always end up having having then then things go bad you know depending on how big they got things can go from not so great to very very bad so I think that is the the takeaway that I've, um, I guess, gleaned from what I've heard people like Peter Schiff talk about. Peter Schiff? Schiff. No T. No T? No T. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I, don't know. I guess there's no T. He's a fiscal conservative, yeah. Fiscal conservative. T's cost extra. <laughs> <laughs> he does have two Fs, though. But. Extravagant. Hmm. So because our economy uh, is based heavily on spending and you can't spend forever, right? there will eventually come a reckoning. Right. And because um, you, you get imbalanced between spending and saving. And, you know, the, the lending and all that all the stuff with the low interest rates has to be backed by savings. And so if nobody is incentivized to save, but everybody's incentivized to borrow... Well, that's definitely true. Then we over leverage everybody. And I think that's part of the reason why they say, like, people in our generation, like, three out of four are over leveraged and carry credit card debt and, you know, and are saddled with just tons and tons of debt. Yeah. That's just the American <laughs> way now. The American dream is to um, go get a college degree that you're going to be paying for for the next decade or two <laughs> and then buy a house that you're going to be paying for the rest of your life. And as soon as you get any amount of equity in your house, go, you know, get a reverse mortgage or whatever, you know, pull out, pull out some, pull out some money and go buy a, a, a nice car or a yacht or, or something, right? Like it's constantly to get stuff, right? It's very, um, it's very much a consumerism culture, I think, that we have. And so I think that a lot of that is created by the environment that people find themselves in right if you're in an, in an environment where you gain almost nothing from saving and um there it, there's basically free money all over the place because you, you're going to get really low interest rates then the people are just going to go spend 
and then you if anything that you do save gets eroded by inflation because of the monetary policy so you you look at your your retirement savings and and your bank account and any investments you have and they're gaining almost nothing or even losing because of inflation so inflation is a, is a way for the people who who get the money right off the presses to steal your savings because they print money and when they print that money it's worth as much as money is worth that day but as they spend it it circulates in the economy and the amount of money circulating increases and so the inflation takes place later so people who print it right off the presses get to use it and spend it at full value but then eventually it circulates and then boom you know if they increase the money supply by like 10 percent or whatever and you have a lot of money tied up in in your 401k or or whatever then then that gets eroded by everything they created so yeah yeah how do we get on monetary policy anyway you're definitely right like uh, ben was talking about housing and he mentioned recession yeah, and i've true. heard yeah. several people saying if there's a recession that's what we we're talking about okay yeah it is worth something though okay you can get a house and put nothing down these days yeah yeah my uh my lender gave me an option for, you know, if you make under 90K, which I do, um, you can, if you make under 90, and if you have to be in like a rural area, rural mm-hmm. area so Saratoga, yeah, Saratoga or Eagle yeah. Mountain, they'll, you can put zero zero down and your rate would still be 3.7. Yeah, this is the, through the Department of Agriculture. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Why is, Jordan, why is the Department of Agriculture subsidizing home loans we need more farmers tim that's why ben is going to farm down zero down 3.7 is your rate you are going to start a farm right no in your yard have goats like chris (laughs) a small farm at least have you listened to chris's podcast no i haven't dude we we talked about how he wants to have a farm with goats really little baby goats yeah adorable so and some handsome cows yeah indeed (laughs) you have to check that out after um yeah, the, the Department of Agricultural Loans, and they have the, um, what's the other one? F, I can't remember the acronym, but there's like the, is it the F- Fair Housing Act or something like that? FHA loan? Maybe I'm... Yep, that, that, yeah, that's I think another that's, one. I think that's the other one that where you can basically put like 1% down and... Yeah. I mean, it's cheaper to do a standard loan. Like if you have 5% yes. to put down, it's a better option. But it's only better by a little bit. We're yeah. talking like less 100 or less a month right. more to... But the key thing here thing, is is not, not only are people getting um, interest rates lower than they probably normally would on, an, on a free market, but the amount of people who are in the market for homes increases. So demand increases because more people have it within yeah. their means. Like, oh, get when, it for free. Jump and when on demand in. increases, prices go up. So essentially... The government coming in saying hey we're going to make sure that you people who are normally priced out of the housing market we're going to make it so that you can get a loan that's subsidized by taxpayers so not only is your tax money going to subsidize their loans but then they enter the market demand goes up and the prices of the houses go up and so now you're paying more for the house too because now you're competing for them or for the same houses as those people so there's a lot of that with government intervention they try to Try to help the quote-unquote little guy, and then it ends up hurting everybody. Yeah, especially the middle class. Yeah. Because, you know, wealthy people, they're wealthy. They can get away with a lot. <laughs> they can hide their money in Switzerland or whatever. They can move to Puerto Rico. Of course. But, um, and then, yeah, the people who are on the, you know, the bottom, they get 
a ton of government assistance and then everyone in the middle just gets crushed crushed so that's how it goes America yeah so tell us about your leftist tears hot or cold tumbler Vince oh this whole thing the very greatest in beverage vessels from what I hear <laughs> so I'm currently drinking out of this right now for anyone listening um, yeah you get it if you are a daily wire subscriber um, yearly subscriber, right? Yearly yeah. subscriber. What's the Daily Wire? The Daily Wire is it's a conservative. Is it Ben Shapiro's platform? It is. Well, yeah, he's the editor in chief of the Daily Wire. But um, yeah, it's basically just a conservative uh, podcast, and they have several um, people that you can go on there and listen to. But yeah, if you're a yearly subscriber, you get the hot or cold tumbler. Um, <laughs> And apparently it can cure any sort of disease, according to Ben. Mm. So I I do what I can to drink out of it, see if it can you know, cure me of my... How long have you been drinking from it? About a year. No, about... not a year. Let me see. Ooh, not a year. Probably six months. Six months. And has mm. it helped with any of your health challenges? Well, now that I think of it, I've gotten sicker over the last six months. So <laughs> mm. maybe so there's something about these, these salty tears that are actually mm. getting to me. I don't know. So... So you've been subscribing for about six months then? Yeah. Six months. How much do you listen to his channel? Because like... Yeah, yeah, good question. I can't... Like I have a number of podcasts that I try to follow, but I can't even keep up with like a, a fourth of what any of them are putting out. And then I know that like if you're a subscriber to Daily Wire, you get like... Three hours three of Three hours of just him and, just and, and all the other people, right? Like, yeah. So uh, you, how much do you keep up with that? So I don't think a lot of the other people are worth it. Okay. Um, the execrable Michael Knowles. The execrable Michael. He, he can be all right at times. I mean, I've got. I, I obviously don't one hundred percent agree with any of them. Yeah. I'd be mindless if I right. did. Right. Right. Um, and some are more in, entertaining than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you get three hours of Ben, an hour of Andrew Clavin, an hour of Michael Knowles, an hour of Matt Walsh. Um, I don't think I'd recommend anyone to become a subscriber. I mean, I like Tumblr and everything, but you can pretty much listen to their all of these podcasts for free just through Spotify or even through YouTube. The only downside is you can't see them while they're talking, but is it really worth 100 bucks to be able to see these people? Probably not. But the Tumblr's worth But you get the Tumblr, bucks. which apparently cures everything. So, but, so yeah, well, what do I do? I mean, I, I typically every day will do an hour of Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll, I, my wife and I have become fans of Matt Walsh. Uh, we definitely do not agree with everything that he says, but he is very entertaining. He's like he's become a comedian within like okay. the last year or so. He's very very funny. Um, just kind of kind of like real life humor, kind of similar to how Seinfeld kind of cracks a lot of his jokes with a clean real life humor that's just really really funny while he's you know talking about the news. So I appreciate that. It's a nice change of pace. Um, but I mainly just listen to Ben and Matt. Um, so what are some things that you disagree with Ben on? Oh, Ben, Ben. Um, it's tough. So I, I'm stuck in the middle on a bunch of my views. Um, I wouldn't say, yeah, there's a bunch of views, which I don't know if I could solidify and say like, yes, I'm on this side or Mm -hmm. I agree with this or not. What? Um, you mean you're uncertain? I'm uncertain. There's no room for uncertainty I know. That's right. in Either our political landscape. There's no nuance, Jordan. <laughs> you got to be a Republican or a Democrat. Um, yeah, I mean, Ben's kind of 
kind of a conservative libertarian, a lot more on the right than in the in the middle, but he definitely has libertarian views. Um, but yeah, I have a. It's tough. I mean, I I understand the libertarian arguments for things and the conservative argument for things. Liberals and leftists, they're just crazy. So you just take those ideas out of the equation. <laughs> but there's definitely an argument for, for those two things between, I guess, how conservatives and libertarians handle things. Um, I hate the idea of the government getting too involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, I can... I can relate to conservatives wanting to make the country a better place through conservative, <clears throat> excuse me, conservative ideologies. But at the same time, you got to be careful because you know liberals think the same thing, trying to make the government a better place by getting the government involved, and it's it's a very messy mush of circumstance. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. So where I disagree with Ben. Um, Gosh, where I disagree with him is where I'm uncertain. Um, for example, the whole um, how a state should handle things like gay marriage. Um, a conservative will say, you know, ban it. Libertarian will say government shouldn't get involved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure where I stand on that. I'm not sure how I would vote on something like that. Um, I don't like the idea of the government getting involved, especially in things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand the conservative argument of trying to incentivize you know, this concept of this is what causes the most happiness in life, this is what's best for the economy, a family, you know, a man and a woman having kids. Because that's what's best for the country and the economy, we should incentivize it and kind of restrict it to more be like that. Um, I understand them kind of making an argument like that. At the same time, I don't like the idea of the government getting involved in people's private uh, in relationships. People's private relationships. It's a little, yeah. it's a little, yeah, it's. So I, I, just, I, I really struggle with that one. Um, so it, that's also further complicated by the fact that if you lean towards the government shouldn't be involved, like I do, and then the church comes out and says, it's so "We hard. need you to, you know." go knock on people's doors and tell them to, to vote against gay marriage. And, you know, this is a, a big crisis. We need to mobilize everybody, you know, like at, like they did with, was it Proposition 8, Prop 8, in, yeah. 8 in California? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I didn't like that. Sure. So um, you've got, you've got, it, yeah, the further complication of, of, the, of the religious side of things coming out in favor of a political platform that you don't necessarily agree with right that's tricky that makes it even more complicated i think yeah it's yeah i hate the idea of the government getting involved especially since i mean sure the government can get involved for i mean it's easy to think that like you know, I'd like the government to get involved for my issues, but not get involved for other people's issues right. on the other side of the aisle. And it's hypocritical, really. To right. But that's the trap most that. people so fall into, though. They want to use It's power. exactly the trap. It's they want to use power for their own aims, and <clears throat> but they don't want anyone else to be able to use power for theirs. Yeah, so it's, it's so messy. It's ugly. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, that's one example. I don't... 
I would probably, in a situation like that, where if I did have to vote on it, um, I mean, it might just be the coward way out, but I would just, you know, if the church if the church came out and said, do it this way, be like, all right, I'm not going to think about it. I'll, I'll vote the way that they would, I guess, be um, advising people to do. Hmm. Um, which very well may be the coward way out, but it's, it's a really hard decision. Um, especially since I hate the idea of the government getting involved in things. But, yeah. But I don't know. But anyways, so yes, Ben is all for, um, he's all pro-government getting out of your business, and yeah. especially with relationships. Um, yeah, I think in this in any situation where the church came out and said vote for or against this measure, and if I disagreed with it, I probably wouldn't listen. Now, the only, the only time it would become complicated, I think, for me would be if the church came out and said this is a commandment to do that Goodness at me. that point i'd be like whoa like whoa that's this is this is overstepping i think but um <clears throat> unless they said yeah this is a, a commandment i'd be like whatever you know like noted i'll take that under advisement but i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i think is right i think that's how i'd handle it what do you think jordan is that an apostate way of thinking how would you vote, Jordan? Uh, apostate is such a pejorative term. I wouldn't ever use it not yeah. anymore. You know, they use that. Uh, so I don't know if it's ex- the, the exact term, but in countries where uh, Islam is the official law, you know, and you can be killed for leaving, mm-hmm. uh, they call that apostatizing as well. Ah. So I try not to use that word. Not that it's offensive or anything, just it's so strongly pejorative. Right. Right, right, that I wouldn't say, oh, you're apostatizing, right? It's just kind of, I don't know, feels extreme. Yes, yes. So no, I wouldn't call it apostasy because I pretty much wouldn't call anything mm-hmm. apostasy. I mean, unless people, right, like there are people like, uh, you know, I'm done with this Islam thing. I'm done with this Christianity thing or whatever, right? I'm done with this religion. I mean, clearly, right, from their own mouth, they're saying, I'm done with this. I'm leaving this. Yeah, I guess you can say apostate if you want, but still has that negative connotation. So no, in short, I wouldn't call that apostasy. Would you call it misguided or wrong or immoral or anything like that? Uh, maybe I'm too soft and uncertain about my <laughs> viewpoints in my old age. Maybe in my 20s I would have said something like that. But... Uh, now I would just feel like you should be able to think how you want to think mm. and choose how you want to choose. My perception of the church is that they're uh, less commandments and less enforcing now than they ever have been in their history. Like I think if we didn't have the word of wisdom as a temple recommend question already, it would not become one mm-hmm. in the year 2019 or even in the future at any point in time think it would but that's just my perception mm. what i've heard though is that is it was it byu idaho somebody's doubling down on like the i think it's byu idaho because we just hired somebody who, who graduated from there this year okay and i heard that they're like doubling down on the the restrictions of like dress code and beards and oh, like they yeah. they eliminated beard cards entirely is what i heard so you just 
no matter what, you can't have one. Doesn't matter. Doctors know. Doesn't doesn't matter. Sure, you just can't have one. Sure, schools are weird. Same yeah. same in Provo. They they're getting more strict on it. Yeah, I tried to get a beard card, and that process is obnoxious. They're cool. just weird. Yeah, I know. Uh, Elder Bednar tells this story. I don't remember how recently it was, but there's a man who had converted from Islam, or I don't think he was Jewish, but anyway, was really intent on knowing if it was all right to eat pork. And he asked Elder Bednar like explicitly two or three times, "Elder Bednar, is it all right for me to eat pork?" Right. The simple answer is yes. Of course, you can eat pork. There's nothing wrong with pork. But he wouldn't say that. He didn't. He said, "Read the Doctrine and Covenants and pray about it. You'll get an answer." And the guy did, and he was totally satisfied with the answer that he got from that process. So, you know, in my mind, that's the church as a whole, and definitely not the church universities, because they're the opposite of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's Nazi Germany over they're, there. They're going to prescribe the length of your shorts and junk. Yeah. You can't wear shorts if you wear white Yeah, Yeah, well, and historically, <laughs> right? No caffeinated <laughs> drinks will be sold mm-hmm. in the school's eateries. Uh. Which is just embarrassing. weird, right? Like that's that's like enforcing your own doctrine almost, right? Because right? mm-hmm. caffeine is not proscribed in the word of wisdom. It so for you to be. say there's not going to be any caffeine on our campus is kind of, you know, you dictating your own revelations to right. all the students, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I can't expel you for drinking caffeine. Well, I'm sure right. not going to give it to you. Right. The, the standards for entering the temple are more lax than entering yeah, the testing that's center. that's right. It is, <laughs> it is easier true. to get really the temple than the testing center. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. You know, one, one thing that I um, definitely disagree with Ben Shapiro on, um, I've been listening to him a little bit lately, um, is he is in favor of forced vaccinations, and I'm not okay with that. So his reasoning is that there are people who can't be vaccinated and therefore they rely on herd immunity for protection, such as infants or, or people who have compromised immune systems or whatever. And so he says that it's that their health and life trumps your ability to choose whether or not you get vaccinated. And I can see the point he's making here, but at the same time, the idea that the government can forcibly inject you with a substance it's hard. is it's hard. I can't. I, I just can't side with that. I can't get behind that. That's I I just see too much potential for abuse there. Like to set that precedent to say if the government deems something is for your own good or for the good of society, we can inject. We can perform a medical procedure on you. That I don't like that. Yeah, feels heavy handed. Yeah, I can't do it, Vince. I, I struggle with it. Yeah. That's another great example. I, I mean, because sure, someone being passive is hurting their neighbor, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's just such a, a slippery slope fallacy. But ugh, it's just it's whew, it's messy, you know, to try to give the government that kind of power. I don't know. So I think, like, if you're pro, let's immunize everybody. Then take all that money that you would use on enforcing vaccinations and you know just run a bunch of propaganda right you probably get more bang for your buck that way maybe than you would would saying yeah. you know See, it's like if you confront people you must be vaccinated right i don't think you're going to be as successful as saying well, you know look at all not. these celebrities that vaccinate their kids right. i vaccinated my kids and they all went to harvard mm-hmm. see that's the thing like the the obvious 
solution and the democratic solution is to convince people persuasion right if you don't if you think somebody ought to be doing something and it'd be better for the country better for the community whatever if they did it persuade them you know educate them persuade them convince them to go to the (coughs) government which has a monopoly on force and say tell these people that they will be thrown into a cage or shot and killed if they do not comply like why do why is that the first place that people tend to go why is that the, the first solution why isn't it that why isn't that the last resort only used in cases where it's extremely necessary instead it's like the first thing oh you know what i really think people should do this we should force that you know i hear that all, all the time like like we should we should force anyone who's in politics to read the constitution well no why should we if you don't if you want politicians to read the constitution elect those people you know why why should we make everybody do it that's ridiculous you know it's that's always like the first thing people say though is like we should we should force that or we should ban that no you should convince people that if your cause is just and it's and it's honestly the right answer then you shouldn't have a problem convincing people of it and if you can't convince people of it maybe it's not the right answer or maybe there's an equally good answer sorry but i mean it's, it's just ridiculous that jumping to enforcement through violence is like it's like reflexive these days i feel what do you think vince yeah yeah it's reflexive to go have uncle sam do your bidding right right and both parties do it so there's of course yeah it's horrible of course it's that's absolutely true yeah it's probably one of those things that jordan peterson would say is just natural right mm-hmm. it's instinctual right to want to get your way yeah that he would say that, that what's, way probably he, what he would say is that it's surprising that it ever doesn't work that way yeah surprising yeah. that anyone would try persuasion instead of just grounding up rounding up you know more of their gang to force yeah. someone else that is true it's true <coughs> do you follow jordan b ben? yeah i mean i like jordan peterson I've listened to... You give Ben Shapiro an hour a day. How much do you give Jordan B? Oh. Jordan him? Nothing. Oh. I want to know which of your children you love the most. I give him a half hour a month, maybe. Half hour a month. Okay. What about... Did you read 12 Rules for Life? No, I haven't read it yet. Oh, no. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I've only heard good things about it, so... I need to get it back from Kenneth Boo, by the way. Yeah. So you and Jordan B are <laughs> Facebook friends, and that's about it. Mm. Or we go way back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like him. He's a, I mean, it's, it's always enjoyable to watch videos of some person owning a leftist, you know, <laughs> getting so, them trapped in their own so mind. So you're, you're one of those guys that watches those videos. Ben Shapiro destroys no, I hate the, I hate those. Those are so stupid. <laughs> yeah. I'll watch the whole college um, presentation and watch, you know, from start to finish all mm-hmm. of his questions. But it's like a random, you know, collection and then like. The stupid rap music plays and like these black and white glasses come down and fall on the person's <laughs> face. It's like really ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of that at all. What, what do you call good, that? Good. The little the, the glasses come down. Yeah, that? it's um, deal with thug it. life. Oh, thug life is that thug what it is? life? Deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's deal with it when I see that meme. Oh gosh, so ridiculous. <laughs> you don't like that meme? No, it drives it drives me crazy. I mean, it's a funny meme, but it's it's um, overused. Yeah, and it's it's just not conducive to 
open and free dialogue when people make videos like that where it's like, oh, you got destroyed. Yeah. 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 So it's all about certainty and being right. Yes. Right. And making the other person look wrong. That's... Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uninformed even, right? Yeah, it's still bad and foolish. Mm -hmm. I appreciate when members of the quote-unquote intellectual dark web communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. Have the, I've seen that a lot on uh, Ruben's show. And stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really that stuff's really entertaining. Sure, like they can disagree completely with each other on views, but they can have a completely, you know, intellectual conversation. And, you know, that's a lot more entertaining than definitely. Definitely. Especially the, the debates we have in politics. These little, you have 10 seconds to respond to this question. These little, like, jabs. Yeah, and it's, it's usually loaded, too. <laughs> These loaded questions. You can't really respond to it. So you have 10 seconds to explain why, or, yeah. you know, to, How to fake make up an excuse. Yeah, yeah why, why you acted a certain way in the past or whatever, and you try to justify it. Yeah. And the it's, stupid audience booing or cheering. Yeah, it's, it's like, ugh, it's horrible. It, yeah, it's a spectacle. It's not. Exactly. It is a spectacle. It's not designed to enlighten or edify anybody. Yeah. No. So stop watching the bait, the debates. Start listening to the Timbo Slice podcast. Yep. Boom. Indeed. Fair and balanced. Fair and the balanced. real fair and balanced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I can claim to be fair and balanced, but I can at least claim to, um, I don't know, give, give consideration over a longer form conversation to to the ideas that get brought up so it's not it's not about sound bites not about destroying people you know i didn't bring vince in here to dunk on him make him look like a fool so. why not <laughs> is that what you came anticipating i uh, i came anticipating everything jordan oh he was ready for any contingency so yeah <laughs> Got a suicide pill in your back pocket <laughs> in case things got too bad. No, it's in his tooth because then he can bite down and break it. Oh, gosh. If he, had, if he had to go into his back pocket, we could restrain him before he got <laughs> yeah, it. You could stop me. That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. mm. So enough politics. Okay, sure. What do you want to talk about, Vin? I don't know. You guys tell me. You guys tell me. I'm surprised I haven't gotten a video game question yet. All right. So are you... The biggest Zelda fan alive today? Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. I'm a Nintendo fanboy. Okay. That's for sure. I love I love Zelda games, but there are some freaks out there. There, there are guys <laughs> who, answer. you know, they get every Zelda game. They get the geography of all the games, all the maps, and they're like, all right, how has this world changed throughout these games that take place, you know, thousands of years apart? And they're like, well, the mountains are over here, and then like the deserts down here. So this must mean that this game takes place after this game, and and then you listen to developers talking, and they're just like, oh, well, yeah, it just seemed like a good idea to put the desert over there. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, We had the Lost Woods over there, but right, right before we released the game, we decided to move it over to this side of the map. And we felt that would be a little better for as the player you know, goes through yeah, the game. The and like, yeah. So it's, you got these people grasping at straws that make these incredible analysis, analyses, however you say that. Um, these people are freaks. Yeah. People are freaks. Okay. They, and they know every name, every... They've gotten every Korok seed in Breath of the Wild. I mean, that, oh, that's geez. a whole other level of... That's dedication. Insanity. So, I mean, I love I love the franchise. Um, I've enjoyed... I mean, I've enjoyed every Zelda game. Some are definitely better than others. Looking at you, Spirit Tracks. Um, <laughs> that one is not good. But, yeah. It's a great series. It's a great series, Jordan. Except for Spirit Tracks? Now, Spirit Track is still a good game, but 
All right, we can talk about Spirit Tracks. So you're stuck. So the the game's previous to this. You have a boat. And with a boat, you, you can move freely. You can explore this whole ocean full of islands. You so know, this lots is of Wind Waker. This is Wind Waker and Phantom Hourglass. Because okay. those two take place. And the third game in that little series there that takes place after those takes, takes place 100 years after Wind Waker is Spirit Tracks. So I guess all these boats came to a giant, a new continent. And on this continent, they found ancient, it's always ancient technology, but they found these ancient metal things on the ground, and they decided to build trains on them. So in this game, instead of having the free roam of a boat, you're on a train the whole time. And as you can imagine, with a train, there's only straight. So you're, <laughs> you're just going one direction. You're following the track. And sometimes, you know, cattle get in your way, and you have to hit, slam on the brakes and honk your horns, so the, they move out. It's just... I mean, what is this? I mean, that's... That what happens is, if you hit the cows? You hit the, I think you take damage or something. Oh, I don't hmm. remember. Oh, and then there's these escort quests in that game where there's traffic laws. So, like, oh, you got to slow down. This is the speed limit in this area. Slow down around this turn. What? Uh, make sure to honk <laughs> your horn here. And you're... Oof. Oof. So that's horrible. They made, they managed to make an overworld. It's the worst overworld I've ever seen. <laughs> And then when you get wow. to the dungeons, they're just so easy. Mm. Not once are you like, they're, they're very linear dungeons. You just go get this key. All right, well, let me go unlock this door. And it's just, I don't know if there's ever any point in time where you have more than two keys in your inventory. It's just so straightforward. Mm. Dungeons were too easy. Just disappointing. That's what that game is. Good music, though. That, that was its one saving. You know, mm. Okay. Thing, but. So now you're going to have to tell us. Your number one Zelda game. That, that's a, that's a harder question. To yeah. Answer. Um, I, I have two different categories where I bring Zelda games in. One where what I had the most fun playing, and then ones that I think are objectively the best. And those are definitely different. Okay. Um, Ocarina of Time was the most fun I've ever had in a Zelda game. Um, it was just geez, I beat it in third grade. It was very magical. Third grade. Wow. Yeah. I think I was playing it in eleventh or twelfth. I was in my 20s, and I couldn't finish it. <laughs> well, I, beat th- I played this on the GameCube. Keep that in mind. Yeah, so, so did I, yeah. Oh, oh so wait, no, no, no. N64. N64, yeah. you, you would have beaten it. But yeah, I, I beat it on GameCube for the first time. On the... But yeah, there was, there was, you know, as a little third grader, I haven't caught on to that level of magic in a Zelda game since. Maybe I never will. But objectively speaking, the best Zelda game, gosh. I mean, objectively, I think Wind Waker is better than Ocarina of Time. It's more polished. We're, we're talking about the remake for anyone listening, not the GameCube version. HD. We're talking yeah. about the Wii U version. i got to make sure we specify that. Um, You're so totally going to get flamed in the I comments. I know. Yes. You imagine the comments. How dare you? <laughs> Wind Waker, who are you? You, sir, are not a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, objectively speaking, I think the three best are probably... Um, Breath of the Wild, A Link to the Past, or Wind Waker. Probably the three best. So how does Link to the Past stack up to Link Between Worlds? Isn't Link Between Worlds supposed to be like a a newer, better version of Link to the Past, or no? You play Link Between Worlds? I have not yet. So, minor spoiler. Uh, my, my beef for the Link Between Worlds is that you can just get every item right at the beginning, basically. Uh. So you, essentially, you start your adventure, and then this... Really cool character that you learn more about later on, but this, at first he strikes you as a weirdo. This guy decides to use your home because you're not, you're on an adventure and you're not using it anymore as a shop. 
And you go there and he just has every item for sale. Or like he has like, it's like it's weird trading systems. You can take one item with you at once, but like you can pretty much get a bunch of items right off the bat. And it just, for me, that kind of ruined the magic of. Of acquiring them as you go. Yeah, I mean, you, do, you eventually get all of them at once, but just being able to swap them around was just really weird to me. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a good game. Interesting. It's on my list, my to-do list. But you should be ashamed of yourself. You should have played that My already. to-do list is just enormous, Vince. Enormous. You too, Jordan. Have you played Breath of the Wild yet? Of course not. <laughs> no, no he hasn't. Don't show up to work on Monday. Just go straight. Play Breath of just the Wild. Just go home, play Breath of the Wild. I'll go to like Walmart and just use their demo or something. And <laughs> I've had a lot there. of fun with Zelda games. I liked Wind Waker the best of any that one. I've played. And one thing that I still remember, right, you forget a lot about games, was the ending. Like, you fight Ganon, and then you stick your sword into his head. Yeah, that's pretty epic. Do any of the other Zelda games end that way? Ocarina of Time, you stick it into his chest. Yeah. All right. Um, it has to do with sealing him away. But, no, in his head, no. That, that was surprisingly violent for that cartoon. <laughs> yeah. you know, this bloodless game ends with you know, the last scene. You just shove it right into his face. But, yeah, you always steal them away one way or another. But normally you just stab them in the chest and then you go. So maybe away. the final battles in all the games are really good. Like, the thing I liked about Wind Waker, and I didn't, so I, I finished, I'm pretty sure I finished Link to the Past. I don't remember the final boss battle. Uh, never finished Zelda 2. Man, that's a freaking no. hard game. I love that game. So hard. It's the hardest Zelda by far. Yeah, and then number one as well. Like, the feeling of fighting Ganon in Wind Waker is that of being totally outgunned, right? Like, you are good with a sword, but if you just try and run up and attack him, he totally owns you, right? Mm-hmm. you got to be super strategic, and Zelda has to help you to defeat him. Yeah, you double team on Because you really are just some little kid, right, with a mm-hmm. sword. So however good you are with that, this wizard guy is ten times better than you, right? Mm-hmm. And you totally got that feeling of Ganon being like this Darth Vader character. Of, you know, if you just try and muscle him, there's no way you're going to win. Mm-hmm. He's just going to smack you down. So that's the thing I really liked about the end of Wind Waker, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Ganon really felt like this big, powerful, dark force. And, yeah, something special would have to happen if you're going to beat him, right? Zelda would have to be there helping you. It's the only way. Were the other ones like that? Did they have no. stuff like that? No, um, no, not that I can think of. Yeah, I mean... So Breath of the Wild, you definitely have a very epic final fight, but at least it explains you're more of an adult and you're kind of like a knight, in like the Hylian. Yeah, army. so you're more of an even match, right? And yeah, you're more. You're, you're definitely you're roughly a the warrior. same size as Ganon is. Whereas in Wind Waker, you're some kid, right? Yeah, Wind Waker, you're some child. He's an sure. adult. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and you got Ocarina of Time where you fight Ganondorf. You know, with the mind of a twelve-year-old and the body of a, you know, whatever, what seven years, nineteen-year-old, whatever it is. So you know, I guess you've got this bigger body, but you're still a kid, you know, inside. But you just, you you just do it with courage, the power of courage and friendship. I didn't know Ocarina of Time had that. Yeah, dude. So it's like big. Mm -hmm. It's like the Zelda version of big. Yeah, you go into the Temple of Time, and then you can transport yourself between the current time and the future yeah so yeah when you finally get the master sword you're too young to use it so you pick it up and the master sword basically puts you in a coma for seven years so the moment you lift it up you're now seven years older 
the whole world's gone to heck because Ganon just roamed free and destroyed everything. But you can put it back in, and then you're back as a kid, yeah. and you can do stuff that changes the future. So it's it's kind of like your consciousness is jumping back and forth seven years each time. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It is a cool it's mechanic. It's too bad the graphics were so clunky and the flavor I played. How dare you? Those polygons were gorgeous. <laughs> It was more than that. It just it wasn't that awesome. It would be cool if they did like a remake, not not like the HD one they did for the 3DS. That's a little too. Yeah, I would love weak. a. If yeah. they did like if they made it in like the Breath of the Wild engine or something like that, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean Nintendo said now they're gonna release a Zelda game every year. So if we don't get Breath of the Wild two in 2020, we'll revolt. We'll, we'll get something. <laughs> we'll get something. Yeah, I can imagine they'll throw like. Wind Waker or Twilight Princess, that's an easy thing to do. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. They'll just toss those They're, they're counting Switch. those, too. They're counting old they're games being ported, yeah. yeah. Not even remade, just ported, I think, they're yeah. counting. So so I would buy that if they bundled them together, but if they just kept them separate for 60 each or something. No, like, no, yeah. no, no, no you can't like, I'm that. a diehard fan, but yeah, screw you, Nintendo. That's yeah. a, little, a little too yeah. far. So Jordan, do you ever see yourself playing another Zelda game? <laughs> Uh, I don't see myself doing it. I thought you were doing it this Monday. You're not going into work. <laughs> oh, well. Wasn't planning to do that for reals. Hmm. That hurts me. So maybe. I don't have plans right now, you know, but people change. Hmm. What would it take to change you back into a gamer? What would it take? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to be a different person, a person that wanted to game. Mm. It's like I know games are fun. Just like I know ice cream is good. Yeah. But I don't need a whole lot of ice cream. Sadly, neither do I these days. It's for the best. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I just get it at Ancestry. I guess that's frozen yogurt. But... Yeah, oh, is it frozen yogurt? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's, it's ice cream. It's healthier. Though, I, don't right? I don't know. Tabletop games are fun. Yeah, they are. I play those mostly for the social aspect. I play foosball almost every day at my new job. Maybe we should get Jordan to replace. Yeah, what the crap? Chris. You play tabletop games? Maybe we... we're like begging Chris to like finish Pandemic Legacy season two with us, and he won't do it. Yeah, I'll play with you guys. The problem is, is oh, you probably it depends on what how yeah. late you want to stay up on the weekend. That's I don't true. want to stay up late. Let's get up early instead. Not, not too late, man. It'd be like three a.m. or something. Three a.m. <laughs> not too late. So cross no, over into even, the next even day. Even with Chris, we tried to be done by like 1 a.m. So, but midnight. If you were done by midnight, could you do it? Yeah, sure. Oh my goodness, Dude. Chris, an early riser. We'll be in touch, Jordan. We'll be in touch. All right. We'll have to arrange this with Jeff. We need to finish that freaking game. Yeah, we need, we just need Jeff to be able to start earlier. Because that's the that's the problem why we go so late. Jeff can start earlier if he if he does it somewhere else. So we could come yeah. here, go to my apartment or something or whatever. Yeah, go to he, your place. Here would be kind of cool. We'd just bring a bunch of snacks or whatever. And yeah. Order pizzas. Yeah. Jordan Street, of course. Yeah, obviously. Um, you can't have a QA pay for that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You've been promoted. Yeah. QA 2. <laughs> level 2. Yeah. I, you got the I, salary of two QAs now, right? Oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> That'd be nice. That'd be really nice. Yeah. That would be really nice. Ugh. So I guess if I had a bunch of friends that were going to buy me a Switch and play and play Breath of the Wild together, then maybe I would. Hmm. It's not really but, a multiplayer game. Though. Yeah. Well, in general, when people do the multiplayer thing, right? 
like you're in your chair for 12 hours a day letting hygiene go of course or at least <laughs> that's it's a common thing if not everybody's doing no, no, it no we don't have to do that you guys seen the South Park where they play World of Warcraft? Oh, heck yes. <laughs> no. Jordan, so, you to watch that. Like, I, I hate South Park. I think it's a filthy show. I think it's not really funny. But their WoW episode is just incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Go, go watch it's, a, it's a masterpiece. Do they all get into WoW or is it just They get into WoW. They get all acne. They gain like a thousand pounds. <laughs> yeah. They, even their parents are playing too, right? Even their parents are playing. It's, and they, I don't know how they... They use like in-game WoW footage to like yeah. film half the episode, so they're like in Warcraft talking to each other, <laughs> and it's really funny. The, the episode is called "Make Love, Not Warcraft." Yes. Oh boy, <laughs> it's yeah. great. Alyssa, and I watched it recently. I think it's either on Netflix or Hulu. I can't remember, but really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that, that's your homework, Jordan. You got to go watch that. <laughs> Make love, not Warcraft. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's free on Comedy Central. To watch that episode. Oh, there you go too. Right. Yeah, and is it less obscene than the standard fare? Yeah, well, uh, maybe a little bit. It's not as crude. <laughs> is it obscene? I mean, it's of course it's obscene. It's crazy. <laughs> There's a scene where this kid he can't leave the computer because he's in a battle, so he calls his mom to help him go to the bathroom. <laughs> if she comes down and holds like a bedpan. A, holds, yeah. It's like a bucket right under <laughs> his bum, and he just goes diarrhea all over her. <laughs> All and like it gets all over. And what does she say? She says, "Oh, you're such a big boy." And then she walks up the stairs. And the rest of that scene is just you can see like diarrhea still on the floor. And, like, that's the episode. That's the episode. So if you're not prepared to see that level of insanity, that's the wor- I think that's the worst part as, as far as like. I think that's my favorite part of the whole episode. Well, I, to be honest, not not worst of the episode, but like the worst the worst it gets as far as like. Like being gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh, I'm not offended by poop jokes. Mm. Oh, then you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, this episode's not that bad. Then yeah. It's really funny. It's a masterpiece. It really it is. It is. It really is. <laughs> the only thing that show has to offer is that one episode of 10, 15 minutes, however long it is. Mm. Boy, is it good though. It's a classic WoW, Vince. Have you played that? <laughs> no, I haven't played classic WoW. I was really tempted for a while, just because the magic when I was in elementary school, you know. But then I think back and I'm like, Oof, there are a lot of quality quality of life improvements they've made that I'd have to give up. Elementary school, I can't believe. I know, right? Can you imagine? I, I was. That's when I started. I was in college, bro. And I was in elementary school. College. So. I mean, I had just been an Ocarina of Time. I, a couple of years later, here I am playing WoW on my brother's computer because mine couldn't handle it. I remember sneaking in while he was sleeping Saturday morning and just trying to be quiet you know, as I leveled up my little Torin. Um, you never played with us in vanilla, did you? We didn't play with you until Lich King, right? Oh, gosh. Pretty sure we didn't play. I didn't play with your crew until Lich yeah, King. Yeah, I don't think I played with you guys until Lich King. But yeah, I mean, I played. But yeah, yeah it was... It's a good time. Yeah. WoW is all about the people you're playing with, mm-hmm. I think. It's not a good game by itself. No. It's a no. horrible single-player game. Absolutely. Um, so it's all about playing with other people. So you know, if you have a good group of friends or family that you're playing with, it's, I think, one of the best multiplayer games ever made. Um, but you need that group. Yeah. I'm not really one for making strange, making friends with strangers online. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I did it, and I played for years. Yeah. Um, but anyways, back to your classic WoW question. 
Um, no, I didn't play. Yeah, me neither. I heard some horrible things. I don't know if you probably didn't see any of the, the pictures, but there, you got thousands of people, right, all playing at once in the starting area. So you got a million people here trying to get do the, the same, same quest. Dude, yeah, so you got to go kill Chieftain Pete or whatever. One person kills it. The guy dies. He doesn't respond for five to fifteen minutes, right? So what do you do when you have a thousand people trying to kill the same person? So <laughs> servers did a couple different things. Some went into anarchy and everyone just crowded to where that guy's gonna spawn and they just casted spells hoping that they would tag the guy. Or gets first gets credit. No, I think that's less insane than what a lot of servers did, where they began making lines. A queue, and you're like number 500 in Literal lines. Line, so like, waiting for the little figures to... are lined up. Yeah. yeah. And so you got to keep in mind to log into this game. Some people are waiting two to four hours just to log in because so many people want to play. And then once you log in, you now go into a line to go kill this one guy to get one quest done for another hour or two. I'd probably just and, go grind and do no quests at that point. And that's classic WoW. I agree. Yeah, yeah. that's... My guess, though, is I bet their population has died down like crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. sure it plummeted. Like, there are a ton of people in the first few days, you know, first yeah, weekend. Excitement. Like, yeah, I want to see what it's like, relive it a little bit. But I don't think it, it, it really isn't going yeah. to last long. You know, I don't think it's... I agree. I don't think it's going to hold very many people's attention for a long time. I don't think classic... I don't think Blizzard miscalculated the amount of servers they need. Um... I mean, the worst thing they could have done is to make, you know, 30 servers for everyone to go in. And then after a month, we now have to condense and combine all these servers down to 10. I think that'd be, yeah, that would have been a bigger mistake on their part. I don't know. They probably would have kept more people, though, if they did, just because I'm sure the experience was awful for the people who did get in, you know, and who did play the first week. I think these same people are happy that they experienced it. They're still going to be like... You know, they, they can be like, oh, I played Classic Wild opening day, and oh, I experienced the line. It was I so funny. I waited five hours to log in. I waited five hours to log in. <laughs> and you got Dexton here. He logs in a couple hours before he leaves for work. He'll use a team viewer on his phone and then go to his computer and log himself in. So, he, so he's doing Classic Wow. Yeah, so he gets himself in the queue and then keeps working for a couple hours, and then when he gets home, he's almost logged in and can play. <laughs> wow. You ever play Wow, Jordan? No, I've never played WoW. Mm. My brother's played. Well, next time we get back in, if we ever do Vince, left and by Jordan. I don't know if I ever can. Man, I, mean, I, I don't know either, yeah. I, I enjoy the competitive nature of WoW. But for me to have the most fun in WoW, I have to play 20 to 30 hours a week. Um, which is just the nature of endgame World of Warcraft. And if you're not doing 20, 30 hours a week, you know, then why am I even playing? Yeah. So it's... I hate the fact that they do that, yeah. too. You got your daily quest you got to do every day. You got your weekly quest you got to do every week. Um, it's literally a second job. And then you get, like, five or ten hours of fun. And then the rest of the, the you know, 20 hours is, you know, grinding. And, you know, okay, I got to go farm this dungeon 20 times and hope I get the loot. And the guy... Yeah. Hope I roll the highest roll to get the item if mm-hmm. it does drop. It's... Their ugh. systems are very poorly what designed. What a disaster. They're, they're not even subtle about the fact that they're designed to make you... Waste a bunch of time doing no, the same not, things not over and over again. All, so. so repetitive. I love battlegrounds in that game. I mean, I don't know how they would fix it. But you know, battlegrounds revolve around the whole crowd control chain, basically that happens. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but you know, you're fighting someone, and let's say there's a healer. You know, you'll everyone takes turn throwing their crowd control so the healer can't move. So like. 
once the mage you coordinate with your team so the mage will turn him into a sheep and then when the sheep wears off the warrior will stun him and then this person will fear him fear him this person will sleep him and then so you try to chain together this thing so that the healer can't move for like 10 seconds and then during that 10 second time you're also trying to kill one of the guys so the healer can't heal someone I find it a little little obnoxious dealing yeah, with that. Yeah, that, it's not really a fun Especially system. Especially if you're a healer. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're a healer, you're just frustrated. It's, it's not a fun system. Um, my biggest problem with Battlegrounds was always that, we would, let's say we would put, we'd start up WoW and we'd play. And we'd probably play for, say, six months. Six months period, okay? So the first four months of us would be, like, getting getting up to maximum level, doing the quests, getting gear. gear yeah. And then by the time we have the gear to actually hold our own in Battlegrounds, we're kind of done playing the game. So we spend the majority of our time just getting stomped by people who who are like twice as strong as us. Ten-year-olds who play 12 hours a day. Yes. So I mean, I was one of those ten-year-olds. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So that's always frustrating to me, that the fact that... that gear is always a major factor but yeah. in classic wow i think would because raiding using them such a bigger thing than i think it was in classic wow i think it'll be disgusting like battlegrounds you'll have all these you know raid these people who are very familiar with raiding who are familiar with molten core they'll have full molten core gear you know mm -hmm. really soon and then you'll have there's and no going to war gulch, going to Warzone that, gulch yeah. and just one shot you the, the gear was not balanced at all yeah. It was balanced because no one did Molten Core, really. So, like, it wasn't much of a problem with gear discrepancies. But, ugh. ugh I yeah. can't imagine that. Yeah. World of Warcraft. I, I was about to say you missed out, Jordan, but I'm not so sure about it. <laughs> yeah, the more you think, like, it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, right? it, it, it absolutely is. Definitely. Sometimes I hated that I was playing it, and then other times, just... Yeah. yeah, and when it, when you eventually stop playing, it it's it's both a feeling of relief and <laughs> and sadness at the same time. You know, it's like I put in all this work and we finally got here, and, and there's still more I, I want to do, but man, now I have yeah, 20, twenty hours a 20 week hours back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's both a, a relief and a disappointment when eventually we quit. The time you ever go and type slash play it on all your characters? No, I haven't. No, it's disturbing. Oh. It's disturbing whenever you do that. Tells you how many hours you've played on your account. I guess I have to say, sit down. Or, I uh, I did it before the last time I quit, and it was gross. I was well over 300 days. You know, times that by 24, it's how many hours. But, um, a year in the world of Warcraft. Yeah, it's true. You it's even worse, because that's like awake. That's time yeah. I was awake. That's not time I was asleep. That's, that's true. So, oh, yeah. so you, you spent spend less more than a year. Yeah, you spend more than a, I mean, that's what happens when you got a kid playing this elementary school. You know, and the hours add up fast. And those aren't like hours where I'm away from the keyboard either because it logs you out if you don't touch it for 10 minutes. So those are just, that's pure playtime. World of Warcraft, folks. So there you have it, kids. We've got a lot of kids listening to this podcast mm -hmm. right now. If you play enough video games, you will eventually regret a huge chunk of time spent on video games. My, bro yeah. my brother only has one regret. He uh, it was grinding in one of the old Pokemon games. I think he got a bunch of Evolves of Eevee to level 100. Oh, that's awesome. I've always wanted to have a team like that. That's his one regret. 
There's one video game he regret is that he wasted all that time oh, that grinding. He did that. Yeah. <laughs> to have all his level 100 EVs. So that's the one thing you'd go back in time and change. Hmm. I do wish that game wasn't so grindy to. Because you can beat the game so easily and then you're like, you know, you got a bunch of guys at level 60 or 70, but trying to get them to level 100 is. Yeah, it's horrible. not that bad if you just use the island in. In the latest game, Sun and Moon, you should put them in. Also, oh, they improve that process. They they automatically level up passively. Are there any penalties? No. Hmm. And there you go. They fixed it, Jordan. They fixed it. Send them to Pokemon Valhalla. That's right. <laughs> then that I like that they did that. that yeah, sounds nice. it, it is very nice. A great quality of life improvement. You're gonna get Pokemon Sword and Shield. I just, just about to ask you that. Uh, no, I have I have Sword <laughs> pre-ordered. I'll definitely not get it for full price. Mm. Um. I've struggled with the Pokemon games. You know, they, they don't have the the magic that they had when I was in like elementary school or junior high. They yeah, it's because I don't think they've evolved that much as much as they should have. It's the same but formula. I'm hoping that now that they're on a full full fledged console, that they will have a lot of quality of life improvements, a lot of modernization uh, I hope mechanics. So. And I mean, the games. I mean, I loved it as a kid. I got my little monster. I leveled them up. Dragonite's the best Pokemon, by the way. Beat people mm. in battle, steal Snorlax their money. Is better. Snorlax. <laughs> steal their money. Yeah, you yeah. just take people's. <laughs> exactly what you do. Or they'll take yours when you lose. Yeah, you beat them exactly. up. Yeah, give me your money. Just, ah. like, just a, what was it, like a softened cockfighter? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it doesn't, it lost its magic to me. It's just the same linear game, you know, the formula. At least Zelda, I mean, yeah, the formula doesn't change too much, but they managed to make it different enough to that it has a new magic, a new feel each for each game. So it's still fun each time. Plus the formula to Zelda is pretty incredible. So it's even if they didn't change things, it's still a great game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Never get tired of the hook shot. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh, they got rid of that in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, no hook shot. One, one, one of my big complaints about it. Wasn't there a double hook shot in one of them? Yeah. Twilight yeah, the Princess, Twilight, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's not a good Zelda game either. It's an okay game. I didn't like Twilight Princess. Mm. Um, that sounds like an unpopular opinion. It is unpopular, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say good things about Twilight. Yeah, you have a lot of freaks you know, uh, out there. Is that, is that what it is? A lot of filthy Gentiles that it's true. come about, and they try to say that Twilight Princess is you know, top three. You know, for yeah. Pete's sakes, top yeah, I mean, three. Half, half the population is below average, you know. I know. <laughs> half the pop, apparently, you know. Hillary Clinton won the, uh, you know, she won the popular, the popular vote, vote. So you know, you gotta take that into account. You think about mm. how stupid people are. I see. But yeah, well, they, some of those were votes against Donald Trump, <laughs> right? Right. They weren't all votes for Hillary. Sure. And some of the votes for Trump were votes against Hillary as well. Yeah, so. yeah that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Toy Print isn't. It's not great. Have you played it? I did, but then my Wii's disc reader died. And so it's probably for the best. So I'll I could continue where I left off. I mean, it's been so long now that I probably won't even remember where I am or what I'm doing. So I could continue where I left off, or I could just wait for him to make like a HD version for the Switch. Yeah. So here are the problems with it. You've got a bunch of dungeons that are way too long. Mm-hmm. Talking like some dungeons took me four hours or more, Ooh. five hours. Just because you're um, dumb, or because not just because <laughs> I think because they poorly designed them. Oh, okay. Because I'm dumb. I'm, I'm a I'm a veteran here. Okay, that's true. That's uh, true. You know, I can beat Ocarina of Time in you know a couple hours. A couple, not a couple hours, under 24 hours. I could do it in a day, one sitting, if I wanted to. Dude. Um, dude. 
God, I know I love that game. I've only ever played it once. Maybe I should go back. Beat it, beat it many times. Replay it. I had a cousin, or I still have a cousin. We used to we'd put two TVs side by side and we'd race each other so you can beat the game first. Dang. I did that with that game and Mega Man X. So both those games, I'm very good at like, well, very good. I'm good for a normal human. Yeah. You got these speed running freaks who can beat off your time in 20 minutes. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not one of those guys. Um, literally 20 minutes. Well, don't they take advantage of the collision yeah. detection? Yeah, oh, yes. yeah they, they glitch yeah. it. They glitch it. But they're still freaks. Um, what are we talking about? It's Twilight Princess. Dungeons are way too long. Way too long. Way, way, way too long. The open world is... Gosh, it's very just open. Like There's a lot of it's riding your horse and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And it's just the world's very boring. Um, the wolf form is not exciting at all. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. So the combat, there's a lot, a lot of combat that's required in the wolf form, and it's just not fun. And Midna's kind of annoying. I never really liked her. Yeah. I actually like Midna. Yeah, you I did. Think she, I think she's a good part about that. I didn't get um, far enough to really learn much about her, maybe. That's why, but... And then lastly, I think the last fight is horrible in, in the game. Oh, yeah. I think it's poorly designed. doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, it's just a bad, yeah, bad fight. It's a mm. pathetic fighting Ganondorf like that. didn't make any sense. He goes from giant pig back to human form. And then, then you have like a sword fight with him at the end. I'm like, oh, go back to the giant, the giant pig. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, this little, <laughs> you, you want to fight me as a human? Okay. Mm. Um. It's just poorly. It's poorly designed. It just doesn't make sense. All right, gonna, can I spoil things here? No, if you're gonna play the game, forget it. I'm not gonna spoil it. Fine, sure. The fight's no good. The fight doesn't make. You're playing the final fight. You're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, I guess you're gonna do that. All right, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I didn't finish that. I didn't finish Wind Waker either. And things are dungeons. Some of the worst dungeons I've ever played are, are that game. Hmm. So they're just long and boring. It's too bad. It's like a game full of water temple dungeons. If that I makes like sense. the water temple though. In Ocarina of Time? Yeah. Who are you? I, I came on your podcast and you're telling me you like the water temple? Yeah, I did. What the heck? I did. It's a horrible dungeon. You like mm. the wood. <sighs> I like the water temple because I felt it was, I think I explained this to you before, but I felt it was one of the temples that made the most use of the fact that Zelda was now in a 3D world because you had the rising and lowering of water levels. And that is something that would not have been a puzzle, a type of puzzle they could really pull off in the old, like, isometric view of previous Zelda games. And so I, I liked how they they made use of the technology. At least I like that. And then you had to think spatially, too. So I like those two things about it. But That dungeon did not age well, Tim. Maybe not. Someone but like me? Again, I, I played it a long time ago, and I haven't been back since. I played it once when I was in high school, beat the game, haven't, haven't revisited it. So, My beef with that dungeon, there's two keys that they hit extremely well. And I mean, I know where they are now, so mm-hmm. I can do the dungeon very quickly, but there's two keys that are just really stupid where they place them. Really stupid. That, that's the problem with that game, mm-hmm. or that dungeon. They're just trolling you. They with, trolled you, yeah, absolutely. With well-hidden keys. And that's the problem with the 3DS version. So that when you enter the rooms where those keys are, the camera does like this panning, Pan, yeah. panning thing, where it then like shows you where the chest is in the room. I was really disappointed when I loaded it up. <laughs> I'm like, I know where it is. I go into the room, and the camera's like, yeah, we know where it is too. It's right there. And I'm like, what? You just mm. made this dungeon too easy. Mm. Disappointing. Yeah, but 
I don't know. Hiding a chest, though, that's not that's not the type of difficulty I'm looking for, right? I'm looking for the difficulty of, like, how do you manipulate the water levels to get to where you need to go and to do the things you need to do in the right order. You know, I'm looking for that kind of a puzzle. I'm not looking for, oh, we placed a chest in a, in a location where the camera obscures it and, and it's just really annoying to find. Like, that's not the kind of difficulty I want anyway, so. That's what the water temple yeah, is. Okay, well, that's why it sucks. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you didn't miss out on that one, Jordan. Didn't miss out. Good thing I stopped when I did. Good thing you stopped. How far well, did you get? Do you remember? Uh, I think I'd been adult Link once. Okay. That's like the most exciting part. I was terrified as a kid when that happened. I had no idea. <laughs> I become an adult. I'm like, that's cool, and I leave, and just the world is like a bunch of zombies yeah. outside of like the temple you were in. I'm just like ah, that's terrifying. Are those those ones that grab yeah, you that, and yeah, they yeah, the scream noise, scream, yeah, and then they like and leap it on you. you, yeah. That those were very well designed. It's villains. terrifying. Yeah, they they really terrifying. made that scary. Yeah, they did. A little third grader, I'm like, should I be playing this game? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Am I gonna stab Ganon in the head at the end? I don't know. That'd be a little violent. Instead, you got him in the heart. Actually, you do stab him in the head at the end, I think, because he turns into a boar and then you stab him and then. But it's not as violent, so. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you might. Like, he, he falls down. You, he falls down, and the very end, there's a cutscene where you slash, and then you, like, stab right you stick in it head. into his yeah. head. I think you do, yeah. But he's, like, a giant pig, so it's not as, like. Yeah, you're you just have a human a in the head. Yeah. Like, Wind Waker, you're like, Ugh. Yeah, well, you're in your kid, right? So you yeah. have to <laughs> jump yeah, you way up there, <laughs> downward thrust into his forehead. I want to know what was going on in Link's mind. Like, why did he think that was a good move to do? You know, why not just cut off the head or like... Well, you'd been doing it the whole game, right? It has that thing where if you're defending and then you press the A button, you do like a counter-strike thing. Sure. That's how it ends. And most of those, like, you would jump over the guy or something. You do some acrobatics. What was Link thinking? You know, I'm going to go for them to insert it into his head. That'll... I guess. That'll keep him from getting back up. All of his bottled up rage burst forth. Hmm. I like the game a lot. I thought it had a good... Oh, that's another issue with Twilight Princess. Wind Waker had a great introduction to what brings Link into the adventure. You know, Your sister gets taken. Otherwise, you would have just kept enjoying your life on the island. But mm-hmm. You get kind of thrown into this adventure to save your sister. And then once you do save her, you then make the decision to do something bigger than yourself and then go fight Ganondorf. Twilight Princess is like... Ugh. I mean, you're, sure, you're trying to rescue someone, but... And the way you get your tunic is ridiculous. This god comes down, like, here, this person before you wore these, the stupid elf outfit. You should wear it, too, because that's what he wore. <laughs> I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to wear this elf outfit. Are you crazy? At least in, like, Wind Waker, it's, like, happened to be your birthday, and to celebrate the hero, we wear the clothes that he wore. That Dude, makes sense. and then Link wears a lobster shirt in that game. I need yeah. to get that oh, lobster yeah, he shirt, does. Jordan. He does. The shirt he's wearing before he gets the hero's tunic is a lobster shirt. That's true. Yeah, they sell it online. That's important in Zelda games. How you get the tunic matters. Because it's a ridiculous outfit, so they need to make it make sense <laughs> somehow. It is a ridiculous outfit. It makes sense. They, and they do a great job making it make sense in every Zelda game except for Twilight Princess. Hmm. Think about it. In that society, there's no one else wearing the elf outfit. No. So like you're like when you show up to Hyrule, people should have been like... Yeah. Who's this freak? You know, just as an elf. Comic Con is that way. Yeah, exactly. It didn't make any sense. Or Zelda when she turns around when she sees you, she should have been like, "This well, is the hero." 
some guy in a jester outfit (laughs) showing up like I don't know I'm not convinced she can't take you seriously anymore after that definitely not definitely not yeah that's ugh Twilight Princess, you know, if you have the time, but your backlog's long as it is. Yeah. Have you done Earthbound yet? No, I haven't played uh, Tyler told me to skip that and just go straight to Mother 3, though. Who told you this? Tyler, fail. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous? No, no, no. Mother 2 is a better game. Really? Mother 2 is better than Mother 3. He wouldn't like to hear you say that. I mean, Mother... Mother 3 is a lot more emotional, but Mother 2, I mean... Mother 2, I enjoyed the ending and the final fight more. Um, I enjoyed the world a lot more. Mother 3, they limit you revisit the same area a thousand times. You're on because mm. you're on a Game Boy Advance game, so they're yeah, they so lengthen the game by making assets, you revisiting yeah. the same area rather than visiting new areas, which I really don't appreciate. Huh. Earthbound, you got this huge world and you're exploring. You know, you, you keep going down different paths. It's really cool to. You know, there's an exploration act, uh, aspect of it, but. In Mother 3, the story is just, it's a good story, but man, is it predictable. Oh, really? Like, there's a big twist at the end, but everyone and their dog knew it was coming. Yeah. Everyone and their dog. Mm. Mother 2 actually has a nice twist. You know, It's called Mother because, anyways, I won't spoil that for you, but you they do call it Mother for a reason, and mm-hmm. the reason they call it Mother and Mother 2, I thought, is a lot better than the reason they call it Mother and Mother 3. Okay. Yeah, those are on my list too. I'm still trying to knock things out off of the list. Yeah. Too many games, too little time. Just don't show up to work on Monday. Yeah, I know. You and Jordan can, you know, side by side, he's playing Zelda, you'll play Earthbound. Done. It's true. We can sit on the same couch. (laughs) You can come into my house, play on my Switch. I'll sit on the couch next to you playing the 3DS. (laughs) You can do it, Jordan. We can have some meat smoking on the balcony. <laughs> it's a problem with Mother. You have to you have to pirate it, that series. Because Nintendo is yeah. so stupid. They have these incredible titles they just don't release in the U.S. Yeah. So you have to get some fan translation of it. And it's really really annoying. But dude, then they're, they're bringing Trials of Mana I know. To, to the U.S. for the first time ever. And they, they left well, the original it. game. They left the original game two players. They didn't make it three players, Vince. Secret Man is three players. Well, they did even worse with the... With the remake. Yeah, the, the remake. remake is single player, right? Yeah. Not even multiplayer at all. I was having a big debate. So I'm like, all right. You know, I own the first and second one. I've never played the third. You know, I've never played Trials of Man. So I'm like, okay, how am I going to buy this? Do I buy it on Switch or do I buy it on, um, you know, the remake that they're going to be releasing? I was doing all this research. The second I found out that the remake is single player, it's like... Yeah, off the table. I'm like, yeah. okay, then I'm not going to experience this game for the first time as a single player when I don't have to. Forget right. it. So then I, I bought the original. Yep. What a mistake on their part. Yeah. What were they thinking? They, they should have been three players, both in, of them. In the very least, multiple switches mm-hmm. allowing it to be multiplayer. In the very least. I understand if you think the Switch can't handle couch co-op, kind of doing a split screen thing, but in the very least, the very least, you can't take multiplayer out of a remake. No. No, no, no. It's ridiculous. Final Fantasy VII Remake, though. Are you going to play that, Jordan? No. No? <laughs> no. You played the original, though, right? Yeah, I did. Yes. Lots of times. Lots of times? Uh-huh. Several. 
the, the graphics were horrible too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No Probably spoilers. I haven't beaten that game. Worst dude. <laughs> Would you see their hands? They're like they're yeah. little balls. Hexagonal <laughs> cylinders. Mm-hmm. Then you get into combat, they look all cool. But yeah, combat polys were fine. Ugh. My beef with those games is that I can only play a Final Fantasy game with an emulator, so I can like speed up time. It drives me crazy to like take two steps. You enter combat, but like to enter combat, there's like a twenty second like, <laughs> yeah. like the music plays, music plays, yeah. showing the environment. The camera there's, rotates. Yeah, around, camera rotates yeah. around. And then you start, and then you win. You got that, and you're just like dancing around, like let's go, let's go. And then the battle finally ends, and you're like, well, crap, which way was I going? Now you know I'm in this maze of a building. Take two more steps, boom, you enter combat again, and then you, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. that's what I liked about Chrono Trigger so much is that yeah. you fight exactly where you're standing the whole time. I yeah, appreciate that. not only that, but there were no random encounters. You saw the enemies yeah. there on the on the overworld or whatever you want to call yeah. it, and if you kill them, they're gone. Earthbound, so you, same thing. So you could like say, oh wait, I didn't look down that other path that branched off. And you exactly. go down there and you kill the stuff and then, you know, check it out. And you come back mm-hmm. and you're not getting like random encounters the entire way back. It punishes you for backpedaling. Yeah, it does. It very much does. But Earthbound 10 doesn't, doesn't has that. Nice. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Good stuff. A lot of good games, Jordan. Not enough time. Have you played Final Fantasy 10? No. I've beaten Final Fantasy 1 through 6. six. Okay. And then I've... Yeah, 1 through but 6. You I did all 7 of them. and 10. 7 and 10 are like... And I started 10. The best. Well, so this is what happened with 7. I didn't know how long it was going to be. Um, I've learned since then to always look up how long an episode's going to be on... You know, there's websites. How long to beat it. Um, but there was, there was some other game that was coming out. I don't know if it was... Zelda game or something, but I had scheduled um, to play this game when it comes out. So mm-hmm. then I started Final Fantasy. I got 20 hours in thinking about to beat the game, and then all of a sudden I realized, or maybe it wasn't 20, I think it was 20, I think it took me 20 hours to leave the main, the first city. Yeah, Midgar. Yeah. Midgar. And all of a sudden I leave, and I'm like, what? Yeah, that's like where the game I started starts. the game? <laughs> yeah. So I kept wandering around a little bit, and I'm like, oh gosh, I'm not going to finish. And then I stopped and started the new game. Yeah. I'm in the same boat right now. I'm kind of, I'm holding, I'm in this week of limbo because a new Zelda game comes out this Friday. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to start any games because I know they'll just be kicked, kicked to the curb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kicked off the um, list. So, yeah, just waiting. Waiting. What am I playing right now? I don't know. But Fallout New Vegas, man. I'm doing that. I'm doing a couple games doing right now, Vegas. casually. Doing yeah. Vegas. Doing hard mode, Ocarina of Time. Just when I feel like, yeah, I'll sit down. It's hard mode. Master Quest. I'm not familiar with that. Is that like, is that actually a mode, or is that just a way of? Playing? Well, it's a mode. It's Master Quest. They redo it, so all the dungeons are redone, and they make them all hard. What? And then you take double damage. If you do the 3ds version, they mirror the whole map, which is annoying but oh so that it's reversed from what you're used to yeah but so i would recommend just doing the gamecube version so that the only change is that every so every dungeon's different so you get to the deku tree and sure like the uh the architecture is the same but like every room's different there's different puzzles you're doing and it's overall much harder dude this sounds like the way i want to replay it yeah i mean it's it's fun it's hard it's hard on one hand i kind of would feel a little bit like I want to play how it was before for the nostalgia, but like playing it for with the, the new master mode. What do you call it? It's called Master, master Quest. Quest. 
That sounds that sounds even more interesting because then I'm not just replaying a game that I already knocked off the. You know, it's hard to justify replaying a game that you've already crossed off your backlog yeah. when you have such a big backlog. Well, you're in a tough spot. So in order to do it on the 3DS version, you have to beat the game first and then you unlock it. Mm. If you want to do it on the GameCube version, then you have to. Uh, are but there, are there good GameCube emulators out there? Yeah. Well, so if I were you, yeah, I would recommend. So there are good GameCube emulators, but people have. You can basically get an N64 ROM that runs it. Okay. So maybe maybe I, I would. Uh... So I would just do an N64 emulator, or mm. um, I could also just wait for it to be put out on the Switch. I'm sure they'll do it eventually. Eventually, Ocarina of Time will come. Yeah. Know. So maybe I can just wait then. But it the, the dungeons are hard, so that they no longer care about physics. So you'll just have like floating torches and like what? So they, they don't care how the dungeon looks. So sometimes you'll go into a room and it'll be messy. And you're like. Well, I don't know how to solve this. And you're like, okay, uh, I gotta. Um, so yeah, they they don't they don't care whether it makes sense with the physics of the world, how the puzzle mm-hmm. looks. So it's just sometimes the puzzles are just wild. Interesting. You're just trying to figure it out, but that's cool. And it's a lot. The combat's a lot harder. Like the, if you remember Ocarina of Time, the first boss is that big spider thing, and he, mm-hmm. the spider drops those little eggs. Yeah. So those little egg monsters are throughout the entire dungeon in the Deku Tree right, right off the bat. Um, so you're fighting hard monsters the whole time. Second dungeon, you're fighting those lizard swordsmen yeah. in other locations in the dungeon. Um, they're just all in all a harder game. Mm, interesting. So. Jordan, what time do you have to be at your My party starts engagement? at 3. At 3? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just wondering... Um, how much longer we have before, we, if we want to grab lunch before you leave, before you go to your party? Well, for as long as you fellas want to record, we don't have to eat thin as attractive. <laughs> Do you have any questions for me, Jordan? Questions for you. But you got to prepare yourself for the answer. Keep that in mind. <laughs> well, you can tell me the truth, whatever I ask. Mm. Once in a lifetime opportunity. Here, I'll tell Jordan. you a version of the truth. How about that? All right. Nothing. Nothing. All right. I don't mean I'm boring anyways. <laughs> hmm. Why don't you tell us about your career goals? Where do you see yourself eventually? Like, like more like kind of end game career goals, not like what's the next step, but End game. End game. End game. It's, it might be a little bit. No, it's a good pre- question. Premature to ask somebody of your age it's to a think good about question. where you wanna, where you wanna be when you look back on your life. But I mean, I know where I wanna be. You know, I wanna have plenty in savings, retired, mm-hmm. have a home, um, all that good stuff. But I mean, the the obvious next step is I wanna be a project manager. Mm-hmm. I've been shadowing you. Mainly you. I was doing a little stuff with with Golding, but ever since CT went off and did its own, or Contents Track went off and did its own thing, kind of, that's not happening anymore. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I want to be a project manager. Uh, I mean, I want a job that, I want a job that's a balance uh, of where I'm, I want to work with customers. I don't necessarily want to manage anybody. Um, I like the idea of being a project manager, though, because you're kind of managing a product rather than people. Mm-hmm. And you still you still get to work with customers. 
Um, but it, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Um, yeah, I mean, just feel a little wasted at times, kind of being stuck in my cubicle all day, just dealing with the same people every day. But, I mean, I really like who I work with and everybody. Um, but I would much rather have that opportunity to kind of talk with customers more and bring, bring value to a company more in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't want it to strictly be a job like that. Like, being a, like having a marketing job, I think that sounds pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get paid to kiss people's butts for a living. That's, is, that, is, that's, is that what they do there? That's pretty much, I mean, I guess it depends what kind of market, you know, a door-to-door salesman, no, you get paid to lie to people, but um, a marketer, I mean, sure, you're just, you're getting paid to kiss butts and, um, yeah, it's just, that's just messy stuff. The, the whole, the whole fake persona that, that you kind of have to put on for that, you know, take people out to, you know, take a business uh, client out to lunch and schmooze them or take them to the ball game and go just golfing go golf and just pretend to be their friend yeah really you know no matter who they are you're gonna be laughing at their jokes you're gonna be um <laughs> think you're gonna be you know what kind of life is that like these are and and you know you know those people the people that are always you know you know these people when you meet them the, the over hyper like they got that smile on their face nothing could go wrong um Anyway, so that aspect is horrible. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be some fake phony. Right. I don't want to be able to be myself. Um, so I, I, I want I want a balance of that. And I do think it'd be it'd be fun to deal with customers in a, in a job where I don't feel like I'm kissing their butts. Yeah. So do you see project management as a stepping stone to something else, or do you see it as like a you'd probably be fine doing that for an indefinite period of time, or? Um. I mean, I definitely, I, I imagine it would be a stepping stone to something else. I don't really have the personality or kind of mindset to kind of stay stationary in one thing for too long. Right. Um, I'm always trying to improve myself, and I'm a really big planner and goal setter. Excuse me. So, I mean, yeah, sure, right now that's my goal in sight, to become a project manager and prepare myself and however, whatever is necessary to, to do that. But I imagine once I become a PM... I wouldn't be, I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm done, you know, stationary. Now I can relax the rest of my life. Um, I imagine that part of me, that goal setting mindset of me won't go away. So I'll Mm -hmm. still, um, at that point, there'd be a new roadmap I'd have to set for myself, a new, new goals I need to make, new, new ways I would need to strive to improve myself for the next best thing. What that next best thing is, I, I don't know what that is yet, but at least if right now I've got my, my eyes on uh, project management. So. That's good. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's it's hard to look much further in the future than that, right? Because that is a big step. It's yeah. a big jump for me. And um, the, the more steps out in the future you look, the less likely they are to stay part of your plan, I think. Because things change. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is very important to have kind of those bigger goals right. out yeah. there. But you got to have that mini goals that lead you to... Mm-hmm. The milestones. Yeah. yeah. you got to have those, yeah, those the stepping stones. Because um, yeah, otherwise, you're not, you're not going to get there. Right. Um, yeah. So, 
we'll see what happens. I do appreciate you, um, your mentorship and everything, and the opportunities you've given me with that. So. Of course, man. But it's something that doesn't really happen at our organization. Definitely not. I'm the only person that I think that, I mean, there's probably some other people that, I mean, but like, I get, I get a lot of shadowing in. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of people in jobs that are trying to get into other jobs and there's nothing to help them bridge the gap. So. Yeah, it's hard to find a mentor and it's hard to find the training necessary to bridge that gap for sure. Even when you get the job, it's, there's often no training. Like, yeah, I imagine that'd be the case. You see, I mean, you kind of saw that happen when you got the QA job. If you were to get a project management job, they'd just be like, okay, go do it. I'd be knocking on your door all the time (laughs) being like, ah, Tim. So. They want me to estimate this thing and I don't know. Yeah. My devs aren't giving me a clear answer, and I don't, I don't know how long it'll take. Yeah, so it's it's something that we we don't do a great job of developing people, which is kind of sad. That it seems like it would be a a key foundation for success in an organization is developing people, right? Yeah, I'm. I think a lot, a lot of companies struggle with something like that. Yeah. Um, the system is definitely designed to kind of more favor people, kind of people like me, who kind of really push or put themselves out there. Really, you know, I would never would have been a QA two if I didn't request it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to bring it. I brought it up to everybody. I brought it up to Dustin, and I brought it up to Bill. I had to bring it up to. Um, to Ben, yeah, um, I got a lot of people involved in it, and it was something I was actively talking about. And mm-hmm. every one on one, I brought it up. Um, yeah. So the system definitely favors, I think, that kind of personality, um, mm-hmm. which is a pro to me, but a con to a lot of other people. Who, yeah, um, that's definitely true. You know, it, you know, in a perfect world, you would never have to ask; they would just be given to those that deserve it. Right, right. But, but we, yeah, the problem is, is inertia is is just so powerful like that's like with developing people for example if you already have people who can do the job today it's easy to just be complacent and say well they can do the job today you know why do we need to invest in maybe getting them to where they can do a better job tomorrow or why do we need to invest in getting them to be able to do a different harder job tomorrow when they can already do the job today and that already pulls in the revenue it's easy to be, you know, satisfied right. with the current state. Good um, is the enemy of great, Jordan. Sure is. Yeah. That's too bad. Because we should be more... We should be more, I don't know, active. Actively seeking to improve. Kind of like you are, but as an organization, Right. How can we be better? What, what what goals do we have in sight? What are we trying to accomplish? Where do we want to be? Do we want to just be satisfied with where we are right now? You know, so yeah. it doesn't really happen though. I'm lucky I have the time to do it as well. I know there's other QA who right. 
don't have any time to do the level of shadowing that I, I'm capable of doing with my current role. So and I, I appreciate that. But yeah. It's tough. QA are definitely, it can be spread thin. I got a taste of it with, you know, without a, you know, I'm training the new guy. But when we were just down to three QA, it was, man, I was so busy. Yeah. I was so spread. I had no time to do any sort of, any professional, you know, professional development. Forget about it. Yeah. There was just trying to do my job and not, not drown. Um, but I imagine there are, there are a lot of people at the company who probably feel like that 24 seven. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. That's a, the tough state to be in where you're, you know, you just see your load just growing and growing and growing. And then you're like, well, it's gotten so big. I'll forget about doing this thing. Forget about doing this <laughs> yeah. thing. Well, I guess my load got a little smaller by just doing that. But do you see the email I sent out though about what was it called? Yeah, the new thing. Yeah, I've been in the loop about that actually. It's, it's kind of like a monthly hack week they're doing now. It's only like two days or something. Three days. Three days. Yeah, it happened because Pendleton complained to Bill, and uh, yeah, so it happened after the uh, the uh, Courtney. What was the lesson he gave? Courtney taught you're not gonna know, but Courtney he taught a. Uh, the design. Design, yeah. So happened after that. Um, Pendleton, I've been complaining to a lot of people about it for a while. But Pendleton actually went up to Bill and him about it and complained. And he just showed them like a list of cards that had gotten closed for being over six months old. And he just complained about how we have all these little bugs in our product that aren't high enough priority to work on, but they cause, as a whole, all together, to make the app look sloppy mm-hmm. and bring down its overall quality and feel. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of discussion with that. They were debating about doing two hack weeks a year, having one hack week actually be just for defects. But ultimately, this is the decision they went with. Yeah. To yeah, three days out of the month to just developers are free to just work on anything they think that'll bring value with an emphasis on defects. Yeah, I brought that up too in one of my past one-on-ones. That's I said great. that because we got like a low engagement survey rating on something related to. Hmm. Related to like autonomy, uh, autonomy. I don't remember what it was, but I brought up. I said, "Yeah, like I think people feel like um, they just do what they're told eleven months out of the year, and then on the twelfth month we do a hack week, and people come up with a bunch of ideas that never see the light of day." Yeah. Yeah, it was the innovation. Yeah, we scored low on innovation, and that's why I said, "Like, yeah, we we tell people." To just do what they're told and not use their creativity or their minds for most of the year, right? That's definitely true for devs, I think. They're just kind of, you know, kind of just told here are the designs, do yeah. Yeah, just, it. Just do it, yeah. And then finally it's like, well, do you have any ideas? Oh, cool. Okay, well, back to, you know, what we were doing before. So. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, I think all in all it's a good idea. Um, I know Ben's having us QA kind of prioritize a list of well, now what he's having us do is whenever a defect reaches month four, four and a half, we then have to review it. and then to See if it's still a problem. It, well, or... we do that anyways, but we review whether we would be okay with this being closed at the six-month mark or if we want to put it into... Why is that even a thing? I don't think that happens on desktop. That what happens to us? Every week I get an email that Devin closed one of my cards. Every week. It's just something that happens. Maybe he's doing it to desktop too and I just haven't noticed, but... Do you follow the cards? Do you get an email? Not everything. Like, I, I can't. It's, there's too many. So I follow almost every... I tried to follow at one point almost every defect. I'm constantly getting getting bombarded by Jira. I have to 
have to trim it down as much as possible. Well, I wanted to know whenever a card got closed because it was bugging me so much. And yeah, all, constantly it's happening. Um, and it's not from Bill, or it's not from Devin, it's from Nick, apparently. It's uh, Nick's rule that if anything goes over six months to close it. Um, so I, I found that out later. But So anyways, the new thing is that's definitely still in place. I, I asked them about that when they implemented it. So it's definitely, we're still closing at six months. But so Ben's kind of doing this thing where for QA we can we can look at the cards at month four, and if we feel they're a high priority, we'll put them in a separate pile for then devs to work on during those three days a month. Yeah. Um, so at least so I can at least let the devs know, like, hey guys, this is going away if you guys don't. I mean, I could see this for like a lightweight, super agile application that's constantly pivoting on what it wants to be, right? It's like six months from now, maybe your application is very different from what it was before, right? It's not relevant anymore. But I mean, we have a behemoth of an application that has many areas that haven't been touched for years. Yeah. It's like, oh, this, this defect has been a problem for more than six months. Well, people can just deal with it forever then. I just don't understand it. I don't understand, Jordan. I mean, I, I hate it. I did ask them if it was a metrics thing because I was like, is, "It's all know. it's that's all it is." The metrics. No, they said no. They said what is this to keep the backlog lightweight? They said or? it's just to keep the backlog full of relevant oh, cards, and it's not for it's not for showing that we only have X amount of defects. Like, mm. I, I asked the point Blake because it's like this doesn't make any sense. Well, why don't we just keep them? Why are we still doing the six month thing? When I was here, people had charts of this many are new and this many are closed every month. They still have to report that too. Well, that exists. Like month. how many are logged and how many are yes, closed? Yes, they report that every month to senior leadership. And come on. I mean, yeah, they could say that that's not the primary reason, but it's definitely a factor. Absolutely, definitely... it's absolutely a part of it, if not the main reason. Come on. So, does that include sub-defects and stuff in um, that number? Probably. Gosh. We logged a million during JSON season. Yeah. What's well, JSON season? <laughs> uh, we switched our forms from XMLs to JSON. Mm. And it was a disease. It was really a lot of stuff. Which is silly because JSON and XML are basically just different formats of storing the same data. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't really... But... Apparently, customers really wanted it to be JSON. No, that's garbage. The customers don't care what we what we're using to architect it. Nobody knows. Nobody well, I'm surprised cares. a customer knows what that even means. Exactly. Yeah. What no. XML or JSON means. What, what I've heard is that um, we're basically just trying to not duplicate efforts. So, so um, one of the teams in the past took forms and converted them to JSON and did a bunch of work, and then we said, "Oh, look, they." You know, they built some better stuff for forms, so we want to use it too. And in order to just import their code and reuse it, we have to convert our stuff to JSON. And so we're trying to unify everybody. So essentially, they, they you know, kind of spearheaded a, a rewrite, a modernization of that part of the code. Hmm. And everyone else wanted to jump on and say, oh, oh yeah, we want, to, we want to take your work and make use of it. And so everyone's converting to JSON now just because that allows us to use their technology and try to minimize duplication of effort and, you know, put everybody on the same standard, so. Well, but it was definitely it's... a lot of work. Oh, my goodness. 
that month, the last month before we released, we had like 180 story points. Mm-hmm. We're, we're normally like right, right around 180 yeah. to 120, but it was it was wild. Yeah. But, and you refer to it as JSON season now. Well, apparently every July there's always something horribly hard that hits mobile. This time it was JSON. Last season was adding list view. I don't know what last the previous year was after before that, but mm-hmm. um, it's tough. Oh yeah, uh, Pendleton showed me some recent statistics, uh, statistics that are really interesting. Like what customers are actually using for our app. Mm-hmm. Those are really disturbing things. So we did put all this work into adding uh, uh, super grouped items. Basically, all these things like to suggest like oh. You did this kind of room with this type of loss. These are the items that you probably want. Mm-hmm. And out of like, it was like out of 100,000 items added, it was like 95,000 were added just the old way, just from mm-hmm. searching it. And only 5,000 items were added with this, this thing that we've spent so much time. Oof. So much time. And there's so many bugs with it. We were constantly working this area of the app. But no one even uses it. It's yeah. disturbing. It could be no one touches it. Even it could be that it's it still is an improvement, but that people just are gonna be set in their ways, and over time it'll get more adoption. But it's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, they're hopeful that the new designs for the icons will increase people using it. Or yeah. Something. The problem is though is that we're an analytics company that has almost no data. We don't know what our customers as a whole want, what they use how they use our software, how often they use it. We don't know anything about that. And we're an analytics company. Like, where the freak are our analytics? Where's our data? Where, like, I don't know. It it always blows my mind that we have no idea what what people want to do and what people want us to do. And and instead instead of, like, researching or gathering data or doing any kind of analysis or whatever, what we do is we say, oh, um, we're not sure if anyone uses this feature. Let's turn it off and see if anyone complains. Let's pull that. it out. Yeah, we do that. Some people get upset when they yeah. hot fix to bring it back in. And, yeah. Um, it's a very costly way of figuring out whether or not people think a feature is important. God. Turn it off and then hot fix after they complain. That happened with Contents Track, actually, several months ago. Yeah, we just we need we need data. We need analytics. We need. I thought that you kind of related statistics. To that. Ride-alongs. I don't know why we don't do more of those. I'd yeah. love to go hang out with someone actually using Xactimate Mobile. And again, it's because of our velocity, though. Like we, we are constantly struggling to get everything done that needs to be done within the time frame that we're hoping to have it done. You know, so and with like for example, with this whole change to, so we had a meeting on the domain-driven design, Jordan, and they want to re-architect. X1 and mobile to be domain driven. So they want this application, current gen, that's out in production being used by people to be basically de spaghettified. And they know that it's going to take years to do. And we have a next gen, what they're calling X2, kind of a temporarily as a code name or whatever. We already have X2 in the works for next gen. So we're already building that. So why re-architect current gen? When it's going to take us like, they're saying two to three years. 
and my rule of thumb is double whatever they're saying. Seems like that long. Doesn't seem rational. I didn't realize they were estimating that long to. Yeah. Because Bill thought we might shake the teams up come sometime next year. Yeah, he wants to do it next year. He wants to reorganize around domains. And then you're expected to spend a majority of your time decoupling your code from all the other domains. So how do you handle defects and like new features? And you don't. That's the thing. Like, so we're just stopping. We're, we're already so behind on the time, like the timelines for all of those anyway. Because our velocity sucks, and so the thing is, is if your velocity sucks, you're not looking for ways to get people doing stuff that does, that isn't directly going to get their work done. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can say that better. Basically, a ride along would be extracurricular, if that's the right word. It's it's not going to get cards on your board tested. Sure, It's sure. not going to move... It's an investment in yes. something else. And they... the I think leadership is concerned about our velocity enough that they're not worrying too much about things like personal development or goals or ride-alongs. So... But yeah, like... It's going to be crazy, Jordan, trying to despaghettify the code, untangle everything in a, in a production product without breaking it. Well, you just will break it. Oh, yeah, we will. That's the precedent, right? We're going to break it, and it's going to take twice as long as we originally anticipate. Yeah. That's what I have to say about that. So we're looking at... I'm concerned. We're looking at four to six years... And so my question that I asked during this presentation was, what is the expected um, the expected timeline for like retiring current gen? Like, if next gen is going to be up and running in four to six years, at that point, why don't we just move everybody to next gen? Right? Like, why should we spend four to six years? completely rewriting a current gen product that is going to be deprecated by the time we're done. And they said, oh, well, we, we don't have any expiration date yet for, for X1. It's like, well, yeah, but, but you have a target date for X2, right? So like, isn't that a sense? I mean, sure, we'll, we'll still support X1, kind of like how people still use 28 desktop today, right? Like, and we, 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 don't, we don't even really support that, but Sure, maybe we might even support X1 for a long time, but if we're going to be trying to push people onto the next-gen products in four to six years, then then it seems like not a worthwhile investment to me. So it just seems like four to six years from now, we'll have finally de-spaghettified the code, and we won't have made much of any progress on defects or necessary features or improvements and then we'll retire it i don't know that's that's what it seems like is going to happen to me yeah <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm too pessimistic jordan but i think what my i think my prediction is perfectly in line with what we've already seen in other 
other like uh, that's what I'm looking for other projects of this size yeah there's a pattern yeah well isn't that what X1 is supposed to be that was the initial promise. At least that's what Tyler likes to say. We're going to rebuild Xactimate from the ground up. And then that scaled way back. Mm -hmm. And the initial reception was poor. So. And it still took us forever to do. Like, in fact, it, it probably would have taken us less time to just rebuild it from scratch, honestly. Rather than, like, partially rebuild it, then release it, and then try to continue to rebuild it while it's already out in the wild being used in production environments i don't know i think it's harder once you have an application out in production it's so much harder to re-architect it one of the devs in the meeting his comment was it feels like we're trying to re-engineer a plane mid-flight <laughs> and i think that's true <laughs> it's funny it's a funny way to think about it i think it. it's a good good analogy so, yeah. Hmm. You have any questions for us, Vince? Or anything that you want to talk about? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I mean, I didn't come with any questions. So, I have no idea. Sorry, guys, yeah. You brought on this boring little Italian man here. Yeah. What do you expect? Mm. Well, you can give us some strong opinions about pasta. How that's supposed <laughs> to be made. Or how about salad and dressing? I mean, I don't I wouldn't say I have strong opinions on it. I just, there's a correct way and a wrong way, Jordan. <laughs> and my way is the correct way. All right, so let me educate your viewers on how to cook pasta. There's a couple mistakes a lot of them, especially Americans, like to do. And it drives me crazy. So is this any kind of pasta? What are we talking about here? Penne, bow tie, spaghetti? This is just pasta in general. This is a general pasta tip. All right. For right all here. of the pasta. Let's hear it straight from so step, Italian. Step one, guys. A big mistake people make is they use pots that are too small. You want mm. a nice big pot when you cook lots your pasta. Lots of water, right? Because With lots of yeah. water. And you want that pasta to really be moving. You use too small of a pot. Your pasta is just stationary in there, bundled together in the hot water big mistake so you want a nice big pot with plenty of water step two throw some salt in there i've seen some uh filthy heathens throw olive oil in no, there. no never for no reason um, don't ever do that first off it's kind of weird because the way water and oil react to each other um but also it kind of messes with your noodles and makes it uh difficult for the sauce the, will bind to it yeah. yeah the sauce will run right off the the, the oil sauce noodles. will run off the noodles don't do that noob mistake jordan rookie mistake so, to recap, you want a nice big pot with water and you put salt in it, nothing else. So once that gets to a good ferocious boil, you'll then throw <laughs> your noodles boil. into the pasta pot. Now, never read what the package says. Never. And don't listen to Americans who tell you to take the noodle and flick it on the wall. If it's already sticking, you've gone too far. You've messed up. So wait, before, before, let me stop you here real, real quick. Real quick. So, what's your opinion on people who break the spaghetti in half before putting it into the pot? I'm not much of a spaghetti guy. Okay. But I don't really care. Okay, fine. I've, really I've heard care. a lot of a lot of people consider that a huge faux pas. Anyway, continue. 
it won't mess with the texture of the noodle or the sauce. So I don't I don't really care. Um, it kind of, I mean, if you're having spaghetti, you want to be able to twirl it on your fork, so it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. Might as well have a different. I mean, there are plenty of other noodles that are far superior, like penne or cavatappi. So I don't know why you would ever have spaghetti, really. But, anyways, you throw the noodles into your pot. When it's at a ferocious boil, you let it. You let it go. Never trust what the package says. I've I've looked at boxes that say mm-hmm. like twelve to sixteen minutes. If, yeah. you've, if you've cooked your pasta twelve minutes, it's already gone. Throw it away. Put it in the garbage. <laughs> All right, Jordan, just toss oh, it in the trash. I threw some pasta in the trash today. Oh, good. It's leftover mac and cheese. Mm. Well, it's arguably not pasta, right? Eh, I'd say it's pasta. Pasta is anything with a noodle and sauce. So the minimum would be. Spaghetti with butter in it. SpaghettiOs? Is that pasta? SpaghettiOs? That's more of a soup. I don't know. I've never had SpaghettiOs. I'm far above that, Jordan. Carry on. What do you take me as? Carry on. The name like Vincent and I'm eating SpaghettiOs? I'd be haunted by my ancestors. Beneath your dignity? It's beneath, far beneath my dignity. Um, Back on the pasta, though. We got your noodles in there. What about Chef Boyardee raviolis? Chef Boyardee raviolis. Let us make our SpaghettiOs. I don't know. I don't know. Pretty much, any, if, if, whenever you've got a can involved, you know things are getting a little iffy. Okay. Um, I would say you taste the pasta after seven minutes. Now, depending on the noodle, this is going to vary. If you're doing like a box of mac and cheese, it's going to be ready after six to seven minutes. So don't trust that box that says ten. You know they're they're crazy. And something to keep in mind is that when you taste the noodle, um, you want to take it off right before it tastes ready. Slightly before. If it tastes like, oh... It still continues to cook. It still continues to cook. So if you taste it and you're like, oh, this tastes just like... Oh, this tastes like it's ready. You're already screwed. Throw out the pasta. (laughs) Just throw it away and start over, Jordan. So wasteful. (laughs) Well, just don't mess up. And you're not wasteful. But anyways, you taste the pasta and right before it tastes like, ooh, this needs like a minute more, 30 seconds more, take it off. Now, this is a big mistake people make. So you drain your pasta out. Over the sink, obviously. Now, filthy Gentiles will tell you to then rinse out your noodles with in the sink. That's ridiculous. That's that's horrible. You're gonna remove. Then it gets it gets wet, and then the, it the goes noodles your sauce. get wet. It cools off the pasta too fast, so canceling the cooking, and you remove precious starches from the noodle that you need for the sauce to stick to the pasta. So never rinse off your pasta after it's finished cooking. Lots of Americans do it. They are wrong. It's incorrect. So you do the thing. Especially not if you need to melt anything like cheese. Exactly. Like if you're making a cheese sauce, like macaroni and cheese, your pasta needs to be hot. You can't, yeah. you can't so. throw a stick of butter into cold, wet pasta. There you go. And you let it drain, and there it's ready. And that is how you do a good, make your noodles a good, you know, a good consistency there. Okay. Um... Anything to say about sauce? White sauce? Red sauce? Um, no, a couple I'm, things. I am starving. Hard, hard, I'll do an Alfredo sauce. Move, move this along. I'll, I'm starving. I'll tell your, your <laughs> listeners a good Alfredo sauce, a budget Alfredo sauce here. Um, now this is for the poor man out there like me who can't afford to get nice, rich ingredients. But what you'll want to do is you have a separate pan while your pasta is cooking, and you'll throw in some butter and cream cheese. The cream cheese is a poor man's... Anyways, it ends up working out well, but... What would you use instead of cream cheese if you weren't poor? Heavy cream? You're going to put heavy cream in this thing either way, but you're okay. also doing cream Parmesan? Cheese. You're going to put Parmesan in it either way. 
With richer ingredients, you can avoid not doing cream cheese. If you're really rich, you can start using types of like white white uh, wine inside of it, mm. really. But anyway, I'm only really familiar with the poor man's recipe. So, but you put the let's say you do. Ugh, what do you do? I do like four tablespoons of butter and cream cheese. Throw them into a pot. Let that mix up well. You want to make sure you use one of those uh, whisk, whisk, wisp? Yeah, whisk. The whisk? Whisk. Whatever. I thought you were going to tell me there's not a can. You lost all your credibility. In that. Oh, it doesn't matter. You <laughs> don't know how to pronounce whisk. <laughs> you don't you need put, the whisk pasta? You put the butter uh-huh. and the cream cheese in. It blends. Once that's done, you then add your cream. You'll want to do about half a pint. Um, and then once that's all blended into a nice creamy consistency, you'll then add about a cup or half a cup of Parmesan cheese to it. You'll then add garlic, Italian herbs. Um, Wait, you don't do flour? So you can do flour. The cream cheese makes it so you don't have to do flour. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and then you add you add your garlic. You add Italian herbs. is a magical herb that cheats Italian flavoring. Just put that in. But um, You mix it all together, some salt and black pepper. It's delicious. Hmm. We need to do it sometime for lunch. We should. You can't join us anymore. Yeah, typically, we'll this, typically so. I start with a roux, which is you you throw the butter in once it's bubbling. You throw in yeah, the flour. flour. That is the correct the flour way. bubble and, and break down the cell walls of the starches. Yeah, and then you can use something like milk, whole, whole milk or whatever instead of heavy cream. And then the flour will still thicken up the sauce. Yeah. So I, I think the, the flavor the cream cheese gives it is actually pretty nice combined with cream and parmesan so if you were to add flour to the recipe i just described it'd be way too thick mm. you had like play-doh paste going in so and so get, getting to salad now salad you eat with just olive oil a little bit of salt salt and olive oil maybe a tad you know a tad a little splash of vinegar but you know, that's how God intended we would eat salad. And anyone who throws all this ranch and all this crap on their salad, it's it's disgusting. Um, if you can't taste the lettuce, then why you're all you're doing is providing crunchy consistency to your dressing. Mm. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Olive oil and salt is a good salad. Uh, that's all you really mm. need. Splash of vinegar. Of course, throw some cheese and croutons and you know some other pizzazz into your salad, but. Anytime you're, you know, this drives me crazy. You go to a place like Zupa's, they've got like a thousand different uh, sauces you put on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just want some olive oil. And they're like, we've got this vinegar, balsamic, blah, 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 garlic blend over here. I'm like, well, I don't, I, I didn't say, I want, I want some olive oil. I just want, <laughs> I don't want your crazy thousand calorie sauce over here that's mm. going to ruin the flavor of the, of the lettuce. Mm. So it's a shame, Jordan. It's a darn shame. We've lost our touch. Americans, we're the only ones that do it. We just toss all this crud on our salad. So, so this we, dressing. Can, we can make America great again by holding <laughs> the salad dressing. You better you believe it. If you had some advice for the president on the upcoming election to make America great again, spread the word about salad dressing. I would tell him to spread the word about salad dressing, absolutely. And pasta cooking. The silent killer. I can't handle how often... I go somewhere and I get mac and cheese from a box and they've like, I can taste that they've cooked the noodles for 20 minutes or something. (laughs) 
and it's just like ugh. It's like this mushy yeah. like. It's hard to eat mushy pasta. I have trouble with it. I once had a roommate tell me, "You can't overcook pasta when it's ready. It's you just cook it, and when it's ready, it's ready." The guy's probably dead somewhere. Yeah, like <laughs> alone in a gutter. Alone in a gutter somewhere. No one cares because yeah. he couldn't cook good pasta. But. Yeah. And you don't remember his name, right? I remember his name, but you know, Casey's listening. Mm. Horrible. Maybe he's changed, Vince. Yeah, I doubt it. Maybe he's changed. People no. like that don't change. Yeah, Tim. They're, they're, <laughs> You know, there's no redeeming them. Mm, it's too bad. Well, now I am starving after this discussion of food. I think we should wrap this up and go get something to eat. Let's yeah. do it. What do you guys think? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Vince, for coming to be the guest of the ninth episode. I don't remember what number guest you are. Like Sixth. The fourth? Fifth? Sixth. Sixth? According the to sixth? Jordan. We sixth? about it. Oh, okay. So you're the sixth guest of the ninth episode. Am I six then? Really? I think you're Cause, six. Because one of our episodes had two guests. So oh, snap. That, that could be how... Because I, I think we did four podcasts that were guestless, but then we had one podcast that had two guests. So yeah, I think that is correct. So thanks again for being here today. Of course. For those of you out there who have not had your turn yet on the podcast, stay tuned. You will get your turn soon enough. So... Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Peace out.